John chapter 4. Today we are starting a brand new series called Relationship Status. Relationship Status. Obviously this new series is about relationships. As I even mentioned last week, our lives are all about relationships. Our relationship with God and our relationship with other people. You cannot separate life from relationships, right? I mean, you can, but you will be an isolated hermit and you'll be miserable, right? It's all about relationships. It doesn't matter what your relationship status is. And I don't want you to get it confused. We are going to be talking about married couples and marriage and dating and all that kind of stuff. But listen, you may be married, you may be engaged, you may be dating, but it doesn't stop there. We all have friends, right? Coworkers and family. So this series will have something for everyone. And yes, I do encourage the married couples in here are engaged, if you're engaged or married, to sign up for the EXO Marriage Conference on March 6th. And you can do that now. You can sign up online. I encourage you to do so. It's going to be a, a powerful uh, time for sure. Um, but but no matter if you're married, single, dating, what's your status? If you're not even like, man, I'm, you know, everybody has relationships in their lives. So you will be able to apply this message today in this series to all the relationships in your life. So we're going to start in John chapter 4, beginning uh, in verse 4. Speaking of Jesus, it says, He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from a long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone to the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you were speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. But sir... You don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you enjoy better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. What does all this have to do with relationships? Here it is. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for this time in your word. Lord, we want to grow in our relationship with you first and foremost and our relationships with those around us, whether in our, in our marriages, with our children, friends, family, co-workers, and those we haven't met yet. Lord, those we might have just met and we're starting relationships, we want to grow. Lord, show us through your word, Holy Spirit, how to grow and how to be successful in our relationships. Help me as I preach today, Lord. Give me the words to speak. That it be your voice that everyone's hearing today. And give us the grace to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. See, due to the heat in the middle of the day, it would be customary for a woman like the Samaritan woman to go and draw water in early morning or late evening. But this woman was at the well at noontime by herself. See, no woman would go to a well like that by herself because of safety reasons, but also because of social reasons. 
See, this woman was at the well all alone because she lived in isolation, separated from the rest of the women of her community. She was a social outcast. That's why she was there in the middle of the day alone. No other woman would go with her, most likely because she was considered an adulterer and a five-time divorcee. See, she failed five times in marriage and was currently living in an immoral relationship with a man now. But what's beautiful about this story, yet Jesus loved her and came to her and ministered to her. And if you even back up, there was a lot of hostility and even racism between Jews and Samaritans. That's why she said at the time, like, what do you, a Jew, come and speak to me? So he already broke that barrier. It doesn't matter what nationality you are. They were Samaritans, we even what we would call half-breeds at the time. And, and so there was, Jesus showed how much he loved her. He didn't care about those barriers. And everything that she had done or even was currently doing, he still reached out to her and ministered to her. Then Jesus spoke to her about the source of why she was failing in her relationships. What he said to her is probably the most important thing we'll hear about relationships. It's interesting because he chose a well as a backdrop. Then he starts talking to her about living water. So there's a few things that we can learn from Jesus' conversation with the Samaritan woman. So today, as we kick off this series, I'm calling this the, the source of successful relationships. I want to give you three secrets to successful relationships from this story. And number one, and it's really the most important one, is our most important relational needs can only be met by God's, by God and not by others. Your most important relational need can only come from the Lord and not from other people. See, the reason this woman kept failing in her relationships, one of the reasons is because she was trusting in people to meet her needs instead of trusting in God. If you notice, Jesus never said to her, well, ma'am, you just picked the wrong men. You must have got five duds. You must have got unlucky all those times, right? He didn't even mention that. But you know, some people think that when their relationships start going south today. Man, I must have just picked the wrong spouse. You may have even thought I've heard people say, man, I always seem to pick the wrong friends. I always seem to get around the wrong kind of people. But what Jesus said is you're drinking from the wrong well. You're expecting people to do what they simply cannot do. You're drinking from the wrong well. We were not intended to live in relationships apart from God, y'all. Think about it. Even at the beginning, in creation, in the garden, we often say, talk about Adam and Eve in the garden. But it wasn't just Adam and Eve in the garden. It was Adam and Eve and God, right? See, God intended for him to be at the center of all human relationships for all eternity. From when he created Adam and Eve till all eternity. And praise the Lord, we will be able to be in relationship with the Lord for all eternity. But when Adam and Eve sinned, they lost their relationship with God, right? Go back to Genesis and read the account of creation. They lost their relationship with God. Sin separated them from their relationship with the Lord. And sin still does the same thing for us today. But not only could they no longer get along with one another, but by Genesis 6, man became violent and immoral because they no longer had God at the center of their relationship. You notice that? Not only did it sin break the relationship with God, but, but not having God as the center of our relationships affected our relationships, right? 
Look at it. Go back and read Genesis chapter 6. They, God even said he regretted making mankind because he, they rejected him and got him out of the center of our relationships. And I begin to think about that and had no idea Shemri was going to come up and share that. But it goes along with that word. It has only gotten worse. When we talk about violence and immorality, doesn't it seem like every day and every newscast is getting worse? I know there's children here. I was reminded of a, of a story I heard a couple weeks ago about children killing other children. I'm talking children. I'm not just talking about like older teenagers. I'm talking about middle schoolers. It's disturbing the things that we're seeing. But I begin to think about it. You can see the more that people try to remove prayer, the Bible, or anything about Jesus from everyday life, people become more violent and more immoral. And yet the media and and the, the secular world are scratching their head and wondering what's happening. God's not at the center. God's not at the center of our relationships. God's not at the center of our, of our marriages, of our schools, of the government, or what, whatever the case may be. See, only God can meet our deepest needs. And again, if you don't hear, I got two other points, but honestly, if you don't hear any other thing other today, you need to hear this. Only God can meet these deepest needs. And the four, a lot of people will agree, the four deepest needs that every human has is acceptance, identity, security, and purpose. And come on, I talk about purpose a lot. Our vision for you from Ephesians 2 is for you to know God, live free, find your purpose, and make a difference. And it's true because we all have a desire to have purpose in our lives. Let's look at them quickly. Acceptance. We want to be accepted, but not for, for how we look or what we do, but because of who we are. Now, people try to get accepted by wearing the the right clothes and having the right hairstyle. But ultimately, at the end of the day, we want to be accepted for who we are. Isn't that right? And it's not just on our good days and when we're doing well, but on our bad days, we want to be accepted. And honestly, church, those of you watching out there, only the Lord Jesus Christ can be trusted to do that. He's the only one that will truly accept us for who we are, the good, the bad, and the ugly, day in and day out. Look at what he says in Hebrews 13, 5. For he himself, God, says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now listen, the word leave means physically. The word forsake means emotionally. That's why he used two different words here. See, what, what does that mean? You can forsake somebody that you're sitting right next to. See, I don't have to physically leave you to turn my heart away from you. And that's what the Lord's saying. And when you think about marriages, a lot of times that's what happens. People are still living together and maybe sleeping right there in the same bed, but they have forsaken one another. Their hearts are turned away. Maybe it's with a friend. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe even a, a family member. But the Lord says, for all eternity, I will never leave your presence and I will never turn my heart away from you. Only the Lord can give us that true acceptance. You see, the story of the Samaritan woman should give us hope, right? It shows us that even on our worst day when our life is all messed up, he still comes to us. I love that. The woman to go looking for him, he went to her. Even when people reject you, Jesus will never reject you. Amen? That's why I've been saying it a lot lately about, you know, when somebody like Miss Marie lost her, her, her mom has passed away. I've heard a man tell me years ago, and I always say it, it's the truth. Nobody's ever going to love you like Jesus and your mama, right? Like you're, something, but even your mama, and I'll show you in a minute, but it's true. But Jesus never will. He'll never reject us. Now let's look at identity. We all want to feel like we're special, that we know who we are, and that we're significant. But only God knows who we truly are. You know, God knows you better than you know yourself, right? 
And we know that because all the way back from Jeremiah 1, 4, and 5, it says this, The Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before we were even conceived, the Lord says, I knew you. I know who you are. Apart from, from your car and your clothes and your, and your status and your job and, and your relationship status, I knew you. See, you have an identity that only God knows. People can only tell you who they want you to be or who they think you ought to be. But only God can tell you who you really are. When you hear it from the Lord, it will fit you and give you purpose and you will come alive. When you hear who you really are, and you got to get that, 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 that when you know that you are a son and daughter of the Most High God. I've said it many times, but I, I remember my identity shift, and it was so powerful. It's actually where it was considered the next steps room now. I was broken up into a couple of prayer rooms, and I was struggling as a young youth pastor, and, and, and I was, my identity was tied into my, what I felt was lack of success in the youth ministry. And I was, I had been struggling for that for years. And one day I was in that prayer room and I was praying and I'll never forget it. And you probably heard me say it half a dozen or more times if you've heard me preach. But the Lord spoke to me and he said, if you had more students in that ministry, I wouldn't love you anymore. And if you had any less, I wouldn't love you any less. I love you for who you are. And that was a paradigm shift for me. He spoke directly to me about my identity. Pastoring is what I do, but it's not who I am. I'm his son first and foremost. Amen. Pastoring is my purpose, but my identity is being in Christ, is being a son of the Most High God. Let's look at security. See, there's a need for most people. This is a need for most people now that, that they're longing for it ever, more than ever before. Think about in the, the, the uncertainty and the craziness of our world, the need for physical, financial, and emotional security is at an all-time high. If you're looking for the government to make you feel secure or any person to make you feel secure, I got bad news for you. You're going to live an insecure life. If you're looking for security in people as a primary need, I'll talk about that later. There are some needs people can make meet, but as a primary need, we're going to walk around insecure. Listen, King David knew this, that his security and our security only comes from the Lord. I love this scripture. One of my favorite scriptures, Psalm 2710 says this. He didn't say even if. He says, when my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take care of me. This is his parents he was talking about. He didn't even say if they do. David said, when my father and mother forsake me. Even our parents have the ability to forsake us emotionally or to reject us, right? Now, you know, and it doesn't always happen, but, but King David knew. There's the word forsake again. He said, the Lord will take care of me. New Living says, the Lord will hold me close. True security only comes in the Lord. And then lastly, purpose. Some people have a hard time in life because they don't have purpose. Some people can't find a reason to wake up in the morning. Each and every morning they may struggle and they may even become depressed or even suicidal because of it. See, if they think that the reason to live is to work and make money, then they lose their job and their money, then they lose their reason to live. They think, okay, I'm just running this rat race. So if I, this is, this is what I was, I was shooting for and it all falls away, then I don't have any more purpose. But look at Ephesians 2.10. And this is actually another translation, but where our vision for you comes from, it's really God's vision. This is just part of it. Even before we were born, again, God knew us, but even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. See, we're not just here to make money and spend it, saints. 
We are here as a part of God's plan to make an eternal difference in the lives of precious people all around us. That's the general purpose for all of us. We have a plan, a destiny, a purpose in our lives. And we have to know that. People can't give you your purpose. Only God can. And look, you probably know, people try to give you a purpose. People give you a purpose to, to serve them and to help them to do what they want. But listen, only God, you know, can, can give you a purpose. And our purpose is serving people, right? But they're, 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 the, our purpose is to, to make a difference in the lives of those around us. But it's specific for you. I know not everybody's called. Most people are not called to be pastors. But you know what? I'm not called to be a doctor or a lawyer either. Praise the Lord. Or a salesman or whatever other things, an engineer, you know, but I'm, I'm not as smart as Brian. I'm not, I couldn't be an engineer, right? But Brian, you know, that's, that's part of what, what the Lord's created and called him to do. And whatever, wherever you called in your business. Now he helps here in ministry as well, but I'm just using that as an example, right? Acceptance, identity, security, and purpose is the operating system of our lives. And we are driven every single day to get these needs met. And so was the woman at the well. See, the problem was that she was trying to get these needs met by people, specifically by her husbands. And listen, again, I'm not saying that people don't meet any of our needs. They do. But people meet secondary needs, not our primary needs. Another way of saying it is our core needs. We have core needs that only the Lord. And listen, and I can testify to that by my wife and I in our own marriage. We both have struggled with that early on, like where you think, man, you know, we all, most of us should, when we get married, fall in love with what we call rose-colored glasses, right? And, and, and all these love songs don't do anything to help that either. You know, they always like make it like, oh, you're going to meet my every need and you're going to, and I'm just like, man, stop lying, man. That's not reality, okay? That is, stop it. You, I told Cassie, we heard a song the other day, you see, it's dudes like him that makes it hard for us, right? A woman goes into it thinking like, this guy said, man, I don't need no vacation, you my great escape. Like, come on, bruh. You probably on vacation when you wrote that line, you know? It's like, it, you know, they, they set us up, you know, for, you know, no, we're not going to meet. We're not going to meet our, our, each other's core needs. Yes, there is some needs that we meet, right? God's called us to be in relationship and fellowship with one another. People meet our secondary needs, but only God can meet our core needs. Amen? Jesus told the woman, if you keep drinking from that well, trying to get people to meet your needs, you will continue to be thirsty. But if you drink from me, allow me to meet your needs, you'll never be thirsty again. See, when God meets our core needs and we drink from, from the living water, which we'll get into in a minute, you know, those core needs are met. And even when we're in relationships and things get rocky, which come on, somebody, they will. Whether you're married, single, co-worker, friend, your best friend, they're going to get there. It, it, it's, it's, it's not going to derail you because you're not looking to them for your core needs. Amen. That's the most important thing is our most important relational needs can only be met by the Lord, not by other people. Amen. Speaking of living water, number two, the Holy Spirit empowers our relationships to succeed. Look at Galatians 5, 22 and 3 and 3. We, we've quoted this a lot. If you've been in church any amount of time, you've read what's known as the fruits of the Spirit. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. See, the fruit of the Spirit, in other words, is what happens when God is operating in your life. If you're in a relationship with the Lord and, and, and you have God operating in your life, these things will, will begin to be produced in your life. Now, I'm not saying they're going to they're gonna be operating on all cylinders every day, right? If they are for you, please come talk to me. And I, you can pray for me afterwards, right? 
But they begin to produce these things that were never operating, begin to operate in our lives. Love. See, the Holy Spirit empowers us to love people. We cannot truly love people without God's love. For married couples, when the Bible says husbands love your wife, you can't truly love your wife the way he's saying without the Lord's help. Because that word love is agape love. It's an unconditional love. It's a, it's a love that I'll give to you even if you don't give back to me. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus died on the cross over 2,000 years ago before we was born and he knew we were going to sin and yet he still died for us. That's agape love. It's unconditional. It's, I don't, I'm not looking for anything in return. That's why for husbands, I'm speaking to you now. He says, husbands, love your wives the way Christ loved the church and laid down your life, his life for her. See, our kind of love for our wives is a sacrificial love where we lay down our lives. And even if we doesn't, we don't get anything returned. That's the kind of love we're supposed to. Now, I promise you, gentlemen, you begin to love your wife like that. You're going to get the love and respect back is what the next verse says from your spouse. And enjoy. See, we've said it many a times. You've heard it probably for years, and maybe you haven't. Happiness and joy are different. Happiness depends on what's happening. If your team don't win in the Super Bowl today, you're not going to be happy. A lot of us in this room aren't happy because our team's not even in it, right? But you can have joy even on the worst day, even in relationships. Even whenever you're, you're on your worst day, there can be a joy. Because why? Because the Holy Spirit can give you God's perspective even when you're working through problems in tough times. Even in the worst. In these, I was talking to Danny the other day, and she said, man, I said, Danny, how you doing? She said, man, I'm, I'm actually incredibly doing great. I don't understand it. You know, I said, well, I understand it, and I sent her the scripture, and he says, our peace that surpasses all understanding would give us, would guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, right? Peace is a fruit of the Spirit, right? You hear Corey, two-month-old baby, died, and yes, it's hard, but he said God's working on that already. Corey has an eternal perspective. He can see even though his cousin's going through a tough time, you know, God can work through this. That's joy, amen? It's having an eternal perspective. And then peace. Let me say this. You're either a peacemaker or a troublemaker. And you can only give what you have inside of you. You can only give what you have. So are you a peacemaker or a troublemaker? You see, God fills us with peace so we can, have, we can be peacemakers in our relationship. And if we just go through the others quickly... Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. See, all of those things are what you want to be operating in the person that you're married to or you want to get married to, right? Would everybody say amen? Man, I want my spouse to be full of all these things. Amen, right? But guess what? Our spouse wants us to be the same way too. So does your friend and your coworker. You want a friend to be like that. You want a, a family member to be like that. But they want us to be that way as well, right? See, our emotions are like an engine that are designed to operate with the all of the Holy Spirit flowing through them. But just like your car, if it runs out of oil, it overheats and damages itself and then it can't operate anymore. That's what was happening with the woman at the well. She was damaged, she was hopeless, and she had damaged other people because she didn't have God at the center of her life. Jesus came to her and said, you're drinking from the wrong well. If you would ask me for a drink, I would come into your life and you'd begin to function the way you were designed to function. Matter of fact, I was looking at that clip, just, just looking at it and kind of, you know, his spin. How many of y'all have ended up watching the, that series, The Chosen? Have you ever seen The Chosen? 
You know, it's in y'all. If not, I encourage you. It, it's on. You have to just just Google it. There's an app. You can go even on YouTube. But but the chosen portrays this this scene when Jesus begins to speak to her, and it was powerful because we look at her. Okay, she had five, you know, uh, husbands and whatnot, and 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 we see in this, and I believe that this is a big part of it. But it was amazing because you know what. It, the way G, that they portrayed it was Jesus spoke to her and said you was excited about marriage in your first one, but then you got hurt. And then it just spiraled in the next person and it just kind of went off. And that's what happens too. See, going back, our core needs, when we're looking to somebody for our core needs and they don't meet them, and then we get hurt and we get wounded and then it just spirals out of control. And then we continue to do the same thing. But we got to allow the Holy Spirit to be flowing through us. Once you know that it's the Lord that meets your core needs and then... Um, the Holy Spirit begins to flow through us. And that's really what that's what Jesus was talking about. When he said live in water, he was talking about the Holy Spirit. And we know that because a few chapters later in John chapter seven, Jesus says this, John 7, 37 and 39. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds. Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink for the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from your heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit, who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. So when he's speaking to the woman at the well, yes, of course, it's God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. When he's talking about living water, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. We get got to go to the, to the Lord for our core needs and then allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and flow through all of our relationships. If we allow the power of the Holy Spirit to flow through our relation, our lives and our relationships, they'll be vibrant and successful. Amen? Now, let me put a disclaimer. I didn't just say they're always going to be easy. I'm not saying they're always going to go the right way. I look at it this way. I don't know about you, but my wife and I, I'm going to use as an example. We've been married 17 years. And even before, when we met, uh, well, when we got together, we were both saved, born-again, spirit-filled believers. Both have the same calling, a passion for ministry. We're working in youth ministry together. And listen, there's still been some rough times. So I can't imagine trying to do it apart from the Holy Spirit. I can't imagine trying to live life and marriage, and, 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 and co-workers and friends without the Holy Spirit's help. And the third and final thing this story showed us, shows us is that you can experience the love of Jesus personally. You can experience the love of Jesus personally. I love this. Again, it gives us hope. It doesn't matter who you are. Remember, the Samaritan woman was an outcast because of what she had done and what she was currently doing at the moment. But yet Jesus went to her and he personally loved on her and, and, and personally uh, uh, ministered to her. How can you experience his love? Well, first remember that salvation through Christ is a free gift. John 4, 10, again, Jesus said, If you only knew the gift of God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. He says this is a free gift, me and salvation through me. Look, Ephesians 2, again, 4 and 6. I'm going to read a little bit earlier. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loves us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Now drop down to verse 8. God saved you by his grace when you believe, and you can't take credit for it. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, 
so none of us can boast about it, right? The Samaritan woman hadn't done anything. She was sitting there getting water. And if you look at the interaction, she was actually kind of debating with them. She was like, well, she turns it into, I didn't read all of that. She turns it into, she changed the subject and said, well, why, why, why did the Jews say we gotta, we gotta worship over there, yet our ancestors worship? And she started trying to, you know, debate with them and she wasn't even receiving it at first. And yet the Lord just stayed pursuing her. Like Psalm 23 says, his unfailing love will pursue us all the days of our lives. Come on, the Lord's pursuing you. I don't know where you are today. In here or at home, you may feel like that Samaritan woman. Brandon, I've done too much. I'm still in the middle of doing all kind of crazy stuff. I don't know how the Lord would love me and forgive me. Well, I hope that scripture makes it clear. Yes, we are dead in our sins, but because the Lord loves us, there's the free gift of salvation and forgiveness if we turn away from sin and turn to him. And next, we have to ask him. Ask him what you need. Look, Jesus again. John 4.10, Jesus said, if you only knew the gift God has for you you and who you were speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you the living water. See, like the woman at the well, honestly, we all have issues, right? We all have issues. I mean, okay, me and Stuart do. Nobody, everybody else is good. We all have issues, right? Everybody got something going on in their life. We all have issues. So listen, turn your problems into a prayer list. Turn your problems into a prayer list. Listen, whenever you got all these things happening in your life, come on, I was praying this morning. Just, Lord, help me. Help me with this certain issue. Help me with with, what I'm going through right now. If you knew how much the Lord loved you and how gracious and kind he is to you and the supply he has around you every day, trust me, you would ask him. He says, I'll do exceedingly and abundantly above and beyond what you can ask or even think. You ever had God answer one of your thoughts? You even pray about it? You ever had that? I've had times where I've just thought about something like, man, I, I, I need this. or I'm, in, I, I'm thinking I'm going to need to pray about this. And the Lord answers and shows me something. But he says exceedingly and abundantly. He said that he will supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches that are given to us in Christ Jesus. Glorious riches don't sound like he just has a little storehouse somewhere left over. No, they're, they're glorious. They're overflowing. Jesus said, you would ask me if you knew who I was, lady. You would ask me and those core needs and what you're longing for, salvation and the Holy Spirit would come from me. And eventually she does receive it. And that's how I want to end. As we close, I want to read how this story ends. And it's beautiful. It's awesome. John 4, 28 and 30. The woman left her water jug beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything that I did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? You think? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Now, there's something interesting here. Isn't it interesting? She left her water jar. She went there to draw water. She has this conversation with Jesus about living water. She receives it. And guess what? She leaves her water jar. The thing that was vital to her survival became insignificant in that moment. Because guess what? Now she's tapping into the living water, right? Now that physical water didn't even matter no more, right? And it didn't say she ran back home to her man. She ran to the village to tell everybody about Jesus now. Look at John 4, 39 and 42. After she goes to the village, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. 
See, look, certainly this woman was the least likely prospect for salvation, yet God used her to win almost an entire village. Come on, that should be encouraging again to me and you. Not only will the Lord come to us and love us, but he wants to use us in a mighty way, in a powerful way. He'll do that for us. In one conversation, Jesus took a broken outcast and turned her into a difference maker. Turned into a world changer, amen? In one conversation. He'll do that for us too. So again, as we close, if you're looking to people to meet your core needs, you're drinking from the wrong well. And you'll never have successful relationships. People are wonderful, church, but they're secondary. The well of Jesus Christ is the well that we drink from to get our deepest needs met and to prepare us to have successful relationships, to allow the Holy Spirit to flow through, and then to come to Jesus to experience his love, forgiveness, power, and purpose personally. Would you close your your eyes and bow your head with me? Let's pray through this now. Is there a person or people that you're trying to get your needs met from? Your core needs, acceptance, identity, security, and your purpose. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's friends. Maybe it's coworkers. Maybe it's your boyfriend or significant other or whoever it may be. Even the greatest person is a shallow well compared to Jesus. Are there people in your life that you have a wrong dependence upon? I challenge you today to make Jesus your source. He's the source of all successful relationships, right? The Lord Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit. We know Jesus is in heaven with, with the Father now, but, but the Holy Spirit, here. The, the, the scriptures even say the Spirit of Jesus in the book of Acts. Make him your source. So I want to just pray right now and say, Lord, if there's anybody I've been doing that, come on, just if you identify, nobody looking around, just right where you're at in your seat, just repent and ask the Lord to forgive you. Lord, I've made this person i've been i've been trying to make this person the source of my core needs to meet my core needs come on just ask him today to to forgive you and begin to turn away and turn look to the lord to the living water of the holy spirit to meet those needs and then allow the holy spirit to flow through you with his love joy peace patience kindness goodness gentleness faithfulness and self-control and then you can experience the love and life of Jesus personally. What is your relationship with Jesus like today? Do you even have one? Remember, he says it's a free gift and all we have to do is ask. We ask him and then we turn away. You remember it says we were dead in our sin. The Bible makes it clear. Romans makes it clear. We've all sinned. And Ephesians this too. And fall short of God's glorious standards. And the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God, again, here it is. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Again, with still nobody looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you say, Brandon, I don't know if I even have a relationship with Jesus. I don't know if today was my last day on this planet where I would spend eternity. And we will spend eternity somewhere, either with the Lord or eternally separated from if you're not sure, but you want to be sure, I just want you to slip up your hand and say, Brandon, I need, to, I need to start a relationship with Jesus today. I see your hand, man, in the back over here. Hands going up to my left over here, right here in the front. Anybody else? Anybody else in the middle? Hands going up all over now. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else before we pray? Say, today I want to begin that relationship. Young man, I see your hand. Thank you for being bold. Bible says if we believe in our heart, that word believe means to trust and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we shall be saved. 
Come on, I want everybody to pray this prayer, even at home with me. Lift up your hand if that's you at home and pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me and thank you for dying for me. Lord, I know that I've sinned and I repent of my sin. I ask that you would forgive me. I turn to you today and I make you my Lord and Savior. Help me, Lord, to go to you to get all of my core needs met. I come to the well of living water today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Come on, let's celebrate with these today, amen? Amen. Well, congratulations. And if you prayed that prayer for the first time, there's a card in the pew in front of you that says, I made a decision. If you're watching online, there's a link that says connect card. Fill it out. Bring it to the info center. we got a Bible for you. The rest of you stand up. Let me pray a blessing over you. Hey, listen, if you need prayer more specifically, I know this can get deep. As we start talking about core needs and people trying to meet your needs, we'll be up here. We're more than glad to talk with you and pray with you. If, if, if you're needing to un unravel or unpack this a little more, need personal prayer about this, I know this, is a, this could be a deep uh, situation and, and subject. And again, if you're married and engaged, we're going to go even deeper as we go throughout the, the week. Matter of fact, next Sunday is Valentine's Day. Pastor Ty is going to be preaching on love. Come on, somebody. But love in our relationships. So he's going to begin to unfold that next week and we're going to continue on and then end it with the marriage conference. Father, I thank you for all my brothers and sisters that are here in person and are watching online. I just pray you that you, you would help us again, Lord, to be successful in our relationships, to go to you first for all of the core needs, the, the essential primary needs we need. Help us, Holy Spirit, to, to produce your fruit in our life through every relationship. Thank you, Lord. We can experience your love, and we ask you today to help us with all of this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Hope to see you soon.